wanted him to say, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. It was a three-part plan. Get past Pharaoh, get past the Red Sea, and get to the Promised Land. Well, the ten plagues took care of Pharaoh. And then they had to get past the Red Sea. And God took care of that. Um, Got a map here of this territory. Um, This map here shows them crossing the Red Sea on the right side area and then going over to Mount Sinai. And then there's another map that shows in a different location. The, the map that you have in your, many of your Bibles uh, apparently does not show... Th- this map shows going across here. Um, we're not really sure exactly which location. But the map that you may have in your Bible uh, shows them going across the swampy area. Apparently, the uh, map makers at Zondervan don't, don't believe in miracles. Um, I don't understand that. But the, um, as you can tell by the map, it's not very far from Sinai, Peninsula of Sinai, Mount Sinai, to the land of Canaan, the land of promise. Um, Palestine was no longer under the control of Egypt. Uh, Amenhotep was too busy with piles of frogs and dead cattle cleaning up his empire. So he had lost his grip upon this territory. They could have gone there and taken it. They stopped at Mount Sinai and entered into a covenant with God, and they said with their words, your Lord. They said with their words that they would serve God, but with their actions they denied Him. They did not have faith. And thus the landscape of the wilderness was strewn with the dead bodies of an entire generation, except for two spies. Two spies were able to go into the promised land. Numbers 14 says this, As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, there were 12, sorry, 10 were, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. Okay, got that? As for the men who Moses sent to spy out the land and who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land. Next screen. <laughs> Even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. Deuteronomy 1 says this. But Joshua, the, oh, we're not doing this one. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Je- Jephthah, let's go back to the we'll go back one. Sorry about that. <laughs> You get what you pay for. Next one. <laughs> well, except for Jephthah and Caleb. Okay? Uh, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb were the ones who were able to go into the promised land. Then the, word, then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, None of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephthah, and he shall see it, and to him and to his sons, which I will give the land on which he was set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry, and with me also on your account, saying, Not even you shall enter there. He's talking about Moses. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there. 
Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Joshua and Caleb were the only two adults left who had left Egypt as children and were still alive. Well, now they're at the edge of the promised land. Moses has died. The Lord speaks now to Joshua. The officers uh, were commanded <clears throat> to go through and tell, command the people to make preparations. To renew their, they renewed their commitment to those that were living in the Transjordan area, and they sent two spies to Jericho. They crossed the Jordan. A memorial was set up of stones, and the 40,000 of the tr- soldiers from the tribes of Reuben and Gad crossed in front of the rest of the tribes, And then the priests come up out of the Jordan River. Word has gotten to the Canaanite kings, and their hearts have melted. All the sons at this time, all the sons are circumcised, and they wait a short time to heal. Then they observe the Passover at Gilgal, eat the first produce of the land, and then the manna stops. The captain of the host of the Lord appears to Joshua and Joshua worshipped him. It's very interesting. That's the only angel in the Bible that permits you to worship him. Wonder who it was. Then begins the marching of the battle with Jericho, and the battles to take the land begin. It's time to take the land. And during this time of preparation, there are three things that they did we're going to look at this morning. The nations that lived in Canaan were wrought with idolatry, human sacrifice, and prostitution. The conquest of this land was just part of the story of how the nations of the world would be blessed by fulfilling God's promise to Abraham. They were going to be fighting for the next five to seven years to conquer the land. And these three things would help bring them success. The first thing to bring success in taking the land was they were to be a people of the book. How and why? They didn't have the Bible. The only revelation that they had was the law of Moses. Remember what John said last week. It was not Miriam and Aaron that God was speaking to or through. God proved that Moses was the man. Now he was proving proving that Joshua was was the man that he was speaking to and through. The message given to Moses should be obeyed, would be obeyed. The message to Joshua should be obeyed as well. Look at these scriptures from the end of Deuteronomy and Joshua. Look at this. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants and all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Let me pause there, right? I'm going off the script. I got a $10 bill here. To anyone that can show me in the Old Testament, someone besides Moses, right there, someone besides Moses that through the power of God 
performed a miracle. I couldn't find one. Next passage. <clears throat> Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For, when you will, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Joshua 3.7 says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. He wasn't with Joshua face to face like on Mount Sinai, but he was with Joshua. And he passed that authority on to Joshua. That's why we have a book called Joshua. Okay, So the people would know where the word of God came from. Okay, Joshua, the next passage in Joshua. He wrote there on the stones, this is another passage, he wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All the Israel, with their elders and officers and their judges, were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the Lord, ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger, as well as the native, half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim, half on the front of Mount Ebal. Then afterward, he read, I'm not done with that one. <laughs> then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read. They spent a while there listening. Okay? Before all the assembly of Israel with the men, with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them, all the blessings and all the curses were read to the nation of Israel. Joshua would be respected by all Israel, just as they had learned to respect Moses and as the deliverer of God's law. They were to be a people of the law, a people of the book. A country is built upon laws. The Bible shows that Joshua didn't perform any miracles like Moses, but demonstrated through faithfulness that God was with him just as he was with Moses. And as they followed Joshua's direction, their victory in battle was a sign, a wonder that God was with them. Four times Joshua is told to be strong and courageous. How would he be strong and courageous? By being a man of the book. When they were faithful to God's words, they were victorious. When they abandoned his will in favor of their own genius, there was failure, failure and death. Why? They need to keep focus on the truth. The worship of the one true God. Without the truth of who God was and his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the people would fall back into idolatry. Another thing that they needed to be successful is they need, in taking the land was they needed to be a people who were set apart. They needed to be consecrated. Joshua 3.5, look at what this says. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. In chapter 5 it says, Joshua, For the sons of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord had sworn that he, he would not let them see the land 
which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their children, whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them along the way. The men who were going into battle were to undergo circumcision, a sign of the covenant given unto Abraham, because the parents had not done it. The nation of Israel was to be different, not just in the message, but in their obedience to that message. They were to be cut off from the sin of the world. They weren't told here to prepare weapons to take the land, but to prepare themselves. In order to be successful, they needed to be a people who were set apart by obeying God. The third thing to be successful in taking the land was they needed to be a people focused on God. How? Why? Joshua 3, 2 through 4 says, At the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, with a Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, there shall be between you a distance of about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. They needed to focus on the Ark of the Covenant and keep their eyes on the Ark. Not the soldiers, not the generals, not even Joshua. There would be a space of about 3,000 feet between them and the Ark. Why? First of all, they, so that they could see it as they crossed before him. They didn't have the law written on their hearts. They needed to do it by sight, not by faith. It was the Ark of the Covenant of the law of God that as they focused on God and His will, He would go before them to fight their battles to create the nation. They needed to know that it was sacred. This battle plan is not Joshua's plan. The battle belongs to the Lord. Their directive was divine. Conquer Canaan. They did not come up with this plan. It is judgment from God. Sometimes things get that bad. The battles began. First it was Jericho, and then Ai. In Jericho, one man, Achan, did not obey the instructions that they were given. And he caused over 30 people to die at the battle of Ai because he had kept some of the plunder from Jericho, which was not permissible. The campaigns continued and the five kings in the south were taken and the 14 kings in the north were taken. And after five to seven years, the land was conquered and had rest from war. They had victory because they had been a people who had kept God's law, mostly. They were successful because they set themselves apart, mostly. And they were successful because they were focused on God, mostly. But as a nation, ultimately the end failed. At the end of Joshua's life, he reviewed, the, he reviewed with the Israelites their history and gave them this charge. Numbers 20, uh, Joshua 24, 14. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, 
We will serve the Lord. But what about us? What about the church? We too must be a people of the book. We too must be a people who are set apart. We too must be a people who are focused on God. But we have so much more than they have. All they had was the law. We have the complete scriptures. A new covenant was made through the blood of Jesus Christ, and now we have the book, the Bible. The first part of the commission, these three things I think match up with the commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. If we're going to be a people of the book, we need to make disciples. The people needed to know that it wasn't Miriam and Aaron that they were to listen to, but Moses and Joshua. Ultimately, the church does not listen to John and Andy. Right? Amen. Right? Guys are great. Ultimately, we need to listen to what God says. We listen to the apostles and prophets. Just like the nation of Israel needed to listen to Moses and Joshua... The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And we listen to Paul and John and Peter and what has been said to reveal to the church what the church is supposed to be. We must be a people of the book. We cannot and must be a people who approach the study of God's word in some legalistic, cult-like fashion that checks boxes that you've attended this number of lessons and this number of seminars. At the same time, we cannot go through it. We cannot go to every Bible study that's scheduled. At the same time, you can't, you'll never get to heaven by getting your card punched on Sunday morning between 11 and 12. It doesn't work. Do you think that showing up on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and punching out at 12 is going to give you enough, well, you better be sure to bring a doggy bag, take you know the meat that John gives on Sunday morning and the milk that he gives on Sunday morning and take it home with you and nibble it the rest of the week. Okay? But I'll encourage you, there's a lot more ways of getting yourself nourished in the Word. Okay? We have lots of other Bible studies that happen during the week. You can't go to them all. Some people try, but uh, some of us can't make them all. The point is to be a person of the book, be a people of the book. There's a lot of reasons why I love being a part of Huntsville Christian Church. But the fact that we have a good start in Bible study is one of them. We have a start. The elders have plans to improve that. Good plans. You know that you know what I saw a couple of months ago? I saw something in this church that I've never seen before. And I was raised by the Christian church. And there's something I saw a couple of months ago that I've never seen before. I believe it was Scott Faust and Mike Pittenger. And they were in a classroom off to the side of the conference table there. And they were doing something I'd never seen before. They were pointing to the Bible. Elders. Meeting together. Pointing to the Bible. Talking about the Bible. 
Amen. Men, keep pointing to that book. You know what we need to do? We need to get some engineers in Huntsville excited about the specs on a spiritual temple. (laughs) The church. If we can get them excited about the design that is written in the New Testament about the church, what can happen? We need good people into the book. Learners of Jesus, make disciples. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's not my judgment. That's what the Bible says. You cannot please God without living by faith. Faith comes by hearing of the Word. Turn off your phone. Turn off your TV. Turn off the games and curl up with the good book. We must be a people of the good book. We too must be a people who are set apart. How? Why? The second part of the commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28 is to immerse them into Christ, to set them apart by uniting them with Christ's death. In one of the letters, the apostle compares baptism with circumcision and cutting off worldliness in the old self, the circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. That's where the problem is. We are the, the word church is ecclesia. It's the called out ones. We are to be set apart from the world. We have to crucify the flesh. We have to die to sin. We are to cast off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We must remember our baptism. If you still struggle with the doctrine of baptism, I would encourage you, struggle with it. Study it. There is only one baptism. Okay? And if you go to the book of Acts and find the the, the plans of the new covenant and the church, you will see what that baptism is. If you need help studying that, we have resources to help you with that. We've got a list of 41 reasons to be baptized. That will help. Let's start. We too. We too must be a people who are set apart. But we also mean to be a people who are focused on God. All three of these things are basically saying the same thing. If you're a people of the book, if you're a people who are set apart, then you're a people who are focused on God. You pitch one of these, you pitch the whole thing. But how are, we fo- how are we to be focused on God? The third part of the commission in Matthew 28 was to teach them to obey all that he has commanded and lo, I'm with you always. To keep them focused on Christ. To focus on the cross. The message of the cross, the good news, is God's power to save. Why? Because he's the author and perfecter of faith. There is no 3,000 foot barrier that we must keep away from. The message is supposed to be held on to and embraced. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, talks about Jesus being the author and perfecter of faith. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, 
who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When we are a people faithful to God's words, we are blessed. There is spiritual victory. When we abandon his will and his word, we cease to live in his kingdom and under his rule. In favor of our own genius, there will be only failure and death. The landscape of America is strewn with church buildings that have no believers in them. A few may be empty, but there are far too many that are filled with people who do not care about truth. Doctrine, truth, baptism are dirty words in many places. Do you want to go to the promised land? Then serve God. Do you want success in this land? Serve God. Do you want success? Set yourself apart. Be a people of the book. Focus on God. Some of us are already in the promised land. Amen? We are at the foot of Mount Zion and are climbing higher and higher. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. We are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. When you were baptized into Christ, you said that you were dying to yourself, dying to sin. We are to be a people of the book, a people set apart, a people focused on Christ, really being the church, the called out ones. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you have a decision to make today, today is the day of salvation. You can't make decisions tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't exist yet. Today is the day of salvation. If you have a decision today to make, and you want to make it publicly, please come forward. If you need to bury the old man in baptism to clothe yourself in Christ, we can do that too. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Choose to serve the Lord.